Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. In 2008, we started to pursue an adoption in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. We filled out a significant amount of paperwork and went through hours of training, handed over lots of money, and we had massive setbacks. About two years later, we got a picture of our future daughter. I can show it to you here this morning. This is the very first picture we got of her. As soon as we got that, the challenges ramped up with legal issues, immigration issues, technical issues that drove us to tears, but we were focused on bringing our little Mary home. After two trips to Ethiopia, she finally came home, and now she is a delightful eight-year-old. Let me show you a picture of her now. There she is. She's the one standing. Yeah, that's there. <laughs> All right, now put that picture away because you guys will not pay attention, so get rid of that picture. Come on, get rid of it. All right. God has set his affection on you, but it's not because you are cute. Nevertheless, his heart went out to you and he was moved toward you in such a way that he sent his son to die for you. And through faith, you have been justified. That means you've been declared righteous. And not only that, but the Bible tells us that you have been adopted into his family. And just as Mary will be part of our family for the rest of her life here, so you will be part of God's family for the rest of your life on into eternity. Since your adoption is true, then you would think that you would live your life with a lot more freedom as a child of God than you actually do. Since your adoption is true, you would think that you wouldn't be so anxious or uptight, but you would rest in the loving arms of your father. Since you are adopted, you would think that all of your striving to try to get other people to like you, to try to please them and get their affirmation, you would think that would all pass away and all you need is the affirmation of your father. And since you were adopted, you would think that you would no longer give yourselves to those things or those people who are just trying to hurt you because you have the love and affirmation of the only one you need, your father. I guess what I'm getting at is since you're adopted, you would think that you and I would no longer be that aimless child who's just trying to make it in life. You would think we would not be that aimless child who is scared to death of what happens next. What I want to press on you this morning from the Word of God is that you are adopted. And I want you to not only believe it, 
I want you to feel it. And I want you to live like it's true. I want you to know that you're adopted, feel that you are adopted, and live as an adopted child of God. That's where we're going this morning as we turn back to Galatians. Let's go ahead and turn back to Galatians and take some time to explore your adoption. So far, Paul has been urging these Galatians to turn away from the false teachers who just want them to be circumcised, adhere to dietary laws, and sacred days to be made right with God. You see, in their minds, being a child of God is based upon Jewish roots, rule keeping in line with the Old Testament law, to earn approval with God. And if the Galatians choose to go there and follow these false teachers, then they're living as a slave and not a child of God. Because one becomes a child of God not through performance, but by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. And Paul is going to argue that since they are now sons of God, that in no way, shape, or form should they live like a slave again and put themselves back under bondage and trying to earn favor. Live like a son and not a slave. Live like a son and not a slave. Let's follow his argument as we turn to our text in Galatians 3, starting in verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now notice the text here says that you are sons of God and not just children of God. The Bible is not ignoring women as the terminology of sons not only includes women, but it does so much more. The background is that Israel was described in the Old Testament as a son or sons of God. And you may know that Jesus is called God's son, and all who have faith in Christ Jesus are sons as well. The language is also important because the sons receive the inheritance. What's happening here is the sonship language is tipping you off that adoption is in play because sons is legal terminology that the adopted child gets all the benefits that comes along with being a part of the family. And in our case, the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know how many are in here are uh, adoptive parents or maybe some of your kids have adopted children. Adopted parents hear all types of crazy stuff that people say to them, and I'll spare you the details. But once people know that we are adopted, sometimes they will say something like, that is so awesome, but, but how many of your own children do you have? For the record, all of my children are my own. So my wife and I feel the same way about them all as they all are our kids. And so it is with God. He feels the same way about all who his children who have been adopted through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And the question you got to ask is, well, what were you before you were adopted as a child of God? Good question. Let's skip to the analogy that Paul gives in chapter 4. We're going to be going back and forth a little bit today. So skip to chapter 4 in verse 1. Paul says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. The imagery here is of a child who's going to uh, inherit everything. But while he is a child, he is no different than a slave. He doesn't even call the shots as he has a variety of guardians and managers directing his every move. The heir is no different than a slave while he is still under age. Now Paul makes a connection to us, verse 3 of chapter 4. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Before you came to Christ, you were like a young child living in the bondage of slavery. Paul says we were in bondage under the elemental things of the world. And for the Jews, this would be the law which they thought obedience to circumcision and dietary code would bring them to God, but it only exposed their captivity to sin. For the Gentiles and for many of us in here, the bondage would be to religions or systems we utilize to make life work apart from Christ. And we're going to see next week that many of these ways that we try to live and many in the world live now have demonic origins. We'll talk about that next week. But ultimately, we functioned as slaves and not sons. But there came a time in history in the history of the world and in your history, that God worked to set us free. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, you see it there, the adoption as sons. At just the right time, God sent Jesus to redeem us from their bondage and adopt us as sons. And I want you to notice the timing and the qualifications of the one pursuing the adoption. Did you see it there in verse 4? That God sent Jesus, his son, when the fullness of the time came. At just the right time in salvation history, God sent Jesus. And his timing was perfect. But the qualifications were also perfect. If you notice in verse 4, we're talking about God's son who was born of a woman. God's son, born of a woman? Yes, and that's the combination of the qualifications that we say, the great God-man. And if you put it together, so the coming of the God-man, Jesus Christ, was at the right time to redeem us from slavery and adopt us as sons. Perfect timing and perfect qualifications. If you ever go through an adoption, it's all about timing and qualifications. If you've pursued an adoption, you know it's all about waiting, Waiting as you pursue paperwork, as you pursue a dossier, as you wait for this match. Waiting, waiting, waiting. As you know, we adopted our son Daniel this summer. We waited to adopt seven years of waiting. It is not only a waiting game and a timing game, but it's also qualifications. They put you through a variety of tests, medical tests, background checks, training classes because they want to make sure that you have the qualifications to adopt 
And what we see from this text, that God was perfect in his timing and his qualifications to adopt you. And to seal the deal, the courtroom is usually where the adoption becomes official. My wife and I were in a courtroom in Ethiopia to adopt Mary. We were in a courtroom in Jamaica to adopt Daniel. And then we had to go to a courtroom three times in Illinois to readopt Daniel and to readopt Mary and to adopt our son, Darion. So we've spent a lot of time in the courtroom. And if you've noticed, as we've been going through Galatians, we've been talking a lot about a courtroom, right? The judge, God, is on the bench. And he declares you righteous and forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you continue to push the imagery, you must push it to include adoption. God the Father declares you not guilty and righteous. And then the judge steps off the bench, takes off his robe, comes up to you and says, now come home with me as my child. That's why we just don't stop at justification. We also move on to adoption because you're adopted as God's child as part of his family. J.R. Packer, who wrote the Knowing God book that many of you read, said adoption is the greatest theological idea, right? Because it's personally, you're adopted by Father God. I want you to know you're adopted, but I also want you to feel it. And as you're adopted, there's a variety of privileges that come with adoption. So let's go back to chapter 3 and look at some of these privileges. Start with verse 27. First privilege is identity. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, Paul, he's not elaborating on the practice of a baptism. He is simply alluding to a reality in the early church. In the early church, everyone was baptized. The concept of an unbaptized believer was basically non-existent. So a little sidebar here. If you've not been baptized as a believer, let's, let's get this done. I got to tour our baptismal. Did you even knew, know we even had one? For the first time this week, that thing up there on the wall, apparently that's a baptismal. I went up in there and toured it, and so it's all set and ready for you. So if you've not been baptized as a believer, come see me, let's talk, and let's get this done, all right? See you this week, all right? <laughs> the reason why Paul brings up baptism in this context is not the physical act, but it's a much deeper spiritual baptism. You've been baptized in the sense that you were crucified with Christ, buried and raised again. And now your identity, according to this verse here, is that you've clothed yourself with Christ. You see, the privilege that comes with being a child of God is your identity is now in the righteousness of Christ. Adopted children often struggle with this idea of identity. Who am I? Where do I belong? But I would say a lot of us, if not all of us, struggle with that as well. Who am I? Where do I belong? But our identity is in Christ, that you've been accepted 
by the Father, clothed in righteousness of Christ, and you belong to the family of God. That is your identity. You are a child of God. And not only do you want to know your identity, but you want to understand, hey, you're part of a family. And this is where the unity comes into play. Look at verse 28 of chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of the barriers have been shattered in Christ. The cultural barriers of Jew and Greek have been broken down so they no longer look down on one another in Christ. The class barriers of slave and free have been shattered as they are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And the gender brothers, uh, barriers of male and female will no longer cause division because we are all one in Christ Jesus. What is so awesome about the church is that the gospel cuts across ethnic, gender, and socioeconomic barriers. We are to be this unified family of God as adopted brothers and sisters. And the way that I think this plays out practically is through friendships within the body of Christ. What I want almost more than anything else for you in this church is for you to have friends. And I know many of you are new and you're like, I'm not so sure how that's going to work. Give it time. I want you to have friends where you care for one another and you love for one another. And I like to even see some of the friends that you have would be friends with people you would never be friends with if it were not for the gospel. I read a story on Friday of such an odd friendship between the, the comedian Groucho Marx and the rocker Alice Cooper. Yeah, they were friends. Living in the L.A. area back in the day, Groucho Marx would call Alice Cooper late at night because Groucho Marx struggled with insomnia. He'd call him up and say, Coop, I can't sleep. Come over. And so Alice Cooper would go on over to Groucho Marx's house and they would watch old movies until Groucho fell asleep. What an odd friendship. It'd be awesome within the body of Christ where we get to be friends with people we would never be friends with were it not for the gospel. That's unity. That's unity. So not only do we have the privileges of a new identity and a unity in Christ, but we also have this idea of inheritance. Look at verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. In Christ, we are children of God and we get the inheritance. Just like my children adopted or not, will inherit my mass fortune. <laughs> so we all get this inheritance in Christ. And there's no need to be circumcised because we get the blessing of Abraham through faith. Now jump to chapter 4, verse 7. Jump to 4, 7. Paul says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son then an heir through God. So not only are you no longer a slave, but you are now a son who is an heir. Do you get this? 
You know, my senior year of college at Arkansas Tech down there in Russellville, you know, I was a new Christian. I wanted everything to be about Christ. And so I started this softball team, and I named the team King's Heirs, as in H-E-I-R-S. But some in Arkansas pronounced it King's Hairs. <laughs> it's another issue altogether. But the, but the idea of being a king's heir is that children of the king inherit the promise, starting now and on into eternity. And think about it, in union with Christ, we share the inheritance, the inheritance of forgiveness of sins, eternal life, eventually one day be freed from sin completely, and all the promises of God. But did you know that our greatest inheritance is God himself? We get God. It's the greatest thing for eternity. It's the greatest thing now. Through Jesus Christ, we get God as our Father. That's a big deal. Week before last, um, my wife and I went to go see Daniel sing in a third grade concert at his school. It was interesting. It was, it was in the fall, coming up on the holidays, I guess Thanksgiving, and it was a, it was a Hawaiian theme. Love that. <laughs> Not quite sure why it was, but it was. And he was singing in his concert. I mean, he just got here from Jamaica like three months ago. He's probably thinking, what am I doing? But he did this concert. He did a good job. Uh, didn't sing too much. <laughs> but then afterwards, it really surprised me. We went to the lobby to find him, and he grabbed my hand, and he started taking me around to his friends. And all he said to them was, this is my dad, this is my dad. Then he grabbed me again, and he took me, and says, this is my dad, this is my dad. And I'm like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> I can't handle this, right? I was very emotional. And I was thinking, that's the picture right there. That's the picture. We get God. This is my dad. This is my dad. And that brings me to the last privilege, and that's the idea of intimacy. Get this intimacy with our Father. Look at verse 6 of chapter 4. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Christian is not a slave, but is a son who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Because we are sons, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. And at conversion, you receive the Holy Spirit who affirms inside of you that you are an adopted son of God. And as the text says here, and the spirit of his son in our hearts cries, Abba, Father. That is a cry of intimacy. Abba is an Aramaic word for father, just as Jesus called God his father so we can now interact with God in the same intimate way. We have this intimacy by the Spirit where we can call God Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, or Dearest Father. Not in a flippant way, but in a way where we are dependent children without fear, calling out for the one who loves us so much that he adopted us as his own. There is so much of this this intimate connection between us and the Father that can be seen in an earthly adoption. 
It's natural when you adopt a child, they come into your family, that they take on the last name. So we adopted Mary, our daughter from Ethiopia. Her name is Mary Lancaster. Mary, you are now a Lancaster. But Mary and I have a specific connection. And it is an interesting legal connection. Because when you adopt overseas, specifically from Ethiopia, did you know that the child takes the father's first name as the middle name? So Mary had to legally take my first name as her middle name. So on all the documentation, as we brought her back to America, her name was Mary Jason Lancaster. Wow! <laughs> but that poor girl, we had to change that <laughs> once we got back. She can't grow up with a boy's middle name, so we switched that later on. But you know, I still know we have that connection. And as we are part of the family of God, we have brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know and I know we have this special connection of intimacy with the Father where we can cry, Abba, Father. If this is all true, which I believe that it is, then you and I should actually live like it. You should live like a son and not a slave. If it's true, I think it's true, I believe it's true, then we should actually live like this. If it is true, then we shouldn't be scared to death and wound up so anxious, freaking out about our lives because we have somebody who cares for us. We shouldn't turn to those things and, and be in bondage to these addictions that are just going to overcome us or fear other people and get their approval. We have our Father. What more do we need? We don't need to be this aimless child who's just wandering around. What's going to happen next? Scared to death of the future. We have our Father who's in control. And he's got a plan for you, his child. It's not like he's going to adopt you and now leave you and say, I'll see you in eternity. He's got a plan that is for your good. And he loves you. And he cares for you. Father did not adopt you to discard you. But he adopted you so you would walk with him. Live like it. Know you're adopted. Feel you're adopted and live this life of adoption. I got to tell you one more thing because I really want to press this home. One of the speakers that I have followed for many years, he's one of my favorite authors. His name is Russell Moore. He's written a book called Adopt It for Life. And I'm going to give you a quick scenario of a child up for adoption, and I'll, I'm asking you, think about this. Would you adopt this child? Are you ready? Stick with me. Imagine for a moment that you're adopting a child. As you meet with a social worker in the last stage of the process, you're told 
that this 12-year-old has been in and out of psychotherapy since he was three. He persists in burning things and attempting repeatedly to skin animals alive. He acts out sexually, the social worker says, although she doesn't fill you in on what that means. She continues with a little family history. This boy's father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and great-great-grandfather all had histories of violence, ranging from spousal abuse to serial murder. Each of them ended their own lives. Think for a moment. Would you want this child? If you did adopt him, wouldn't you watch nervously as he played with other children? Would you watch him nervously as he looks at the knife on the kitchen table? Would you leave the room as he watched the movie on TV with your daughter with the lights out? Let me identify this problematic 12-year-old. He's you. And he's me. And by God's grace, the judge steps off the bench and says, come home with me as my child. Know you are adopted. Feel it and live it. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.